Hello, I'm Dana Brooks of Facing Brooks Law Offices, and you are back for another edition of the Empower Hour brought to you by the Empower Plant. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Empower Hour. We have a wonderful show for you today. We're talking about a, a difficult subject, but one that is probably misunderstood a lot and a lot of assumptions are made about it. And we're here with someone who sadly uh, is an expert in something she probably never wanted to be an expert in, and that is grief and loss. And so we want to welcome today, Shana Acree. Thank you for joining us today, Shana. And would you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? I don't want to uh, take all the time here and tell what I know about you, but you've got an interesting story and a very poignant telling story. And we appreciate you being with us here today. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. Um, like Dana so wonderfully introduced me, my name is Shana Acree. I am a native of Tallahassee. I've lived here my whole life. Um, I'm married um, to my well, wonderful my wonderful husband, Michael Acree. Um, we have four beautiful children. We are a blended family. Um, and uh, I also work for the state of Florida where I manage the um, law division of the agency. So I handle the the day-to-day duties and activities, the daily office operations. I also have a very robust team of administrative professionals. And um, and just, I became a grief and life coach. Um, after I went through the different stages of grief, I found myself um, being in a position and having a passion and feeling like I had a purpose to serve people and to help people journey through um the difficult uh, stages of, of grief and loss. And I, I want to dive into that and get into it a little bit more, what you're willing to share with us of your personal Absolutely. story. And that is very brave of you to do. There's a lot of questions I have, like what's the difference in a coach and a counselor, but I want to get back to that after we introduce the members of our panel who are back joining us again. We've got Kia Thomas. Kia is our outreach public relations person. She is the person who makes sure that, um, Whenever you come to us, you get a good experience uh, and that you have the kind of service Facing Brooks wants you to have. Uh, she's our face in the community, and we're glad to have her back. Um, Kia, uh, not to get too personal, but grief and loss is something that everybody has to deal with on some levels. Um, whenever you think of someone who is a grief counselor and a grief coach, what are the sorts of things that come to mind that you would want to know? Um, I I think one of the biggest things that I would want to know is how, like, everyone has a way that they deal with grief, right? Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you're you're listening to tone and you're listening to how they're responding to certain things. I think my biggest thing would more so be how do I help the person get through grief? I think I'm more, I, I play a better part on that end. So how would I be able to help? Or That's a great question. They're grieving because, you know, everyone's tone is different. Everyone's mannerism is different. The way they may grieve behind closed doors is totally different how they may grieve in the real world. So how can I help? Great question. Yeah, uh, that's a good thing to know, because so many times whenever we see people who are experiencing grief, we our heart hurts for them. We want to we want to be there for them. But you're so afraid you're going to say something stupid. You're so afraid you're going to say the wrong thing or, and then you're afraid you're going to ghost them and they're going to think you don't actually care. So uh, I definitely want to hear, hear from Shana on that. We've got, um, we've got Betsy Brown. Betsy Brown is our newest uh, lawyer here, our newest partner. And you are in the business of personal injury, helping people. And sadly, so many of our clients are experiencing a form of grief. What do you think of when you think of a grief coach or counselor? Well, I, I guess my question uh, would be about it is, as somebody who's been through grief, when you are asked to help others with their grief and people reach out to you and say, maybe, look, this horrible thing just happened and this person is grieving, can you talk to this person? Like, does that, does that take you back to your own feelings? And, and if so, like, how, how, do, how do you deal with that as your profession? and stay positive and stay motivated to, to keep doing the wonderful things you're doing for people. Yeah. 
that's a great question. We'll get we'll get back to that too. How do you how do you help other people and also you know get what you, what you need to do and get the support that you need? How to ask for it? How to give it? It's it, there's so many things to talk. It's going to be a big big uh, subject of discussion. We've got a lot a lot to talk about here. Whitney Whitney Morris, our producer, is here. Whitney, grief and loss. What do you think of when you think of grief and loss? It's not always death. It often is. But what what do you think? I I had a moment when we were having lunch with a friend of ours who lost um, his partner a couple months ago. And I remember we were, you know, just having fun chatting or whatever. And I just said an offhand joke that included death or, or killing, not, not, not killing yourself, but like, just, you know, I said death. And I was like, oh man, I immediately yeah. said it. I was like, and, and I mean, I know that not everyone deals with um, grief the same way and not everyone's triggered the same way. And especially him, like, I know he doesn't, you know, mire in it. He kind of like gets up and goes and, you know, uh, he uses humor and, and humor. And- so I don't think it was bad. I don't think I really offended him or whatever, but it's just, you always worry about how people are, are going to react. And if you've said anything that hurt them, but also I know that some people don't want you to walk on eggshells around them. Right. Um, and another question I have, cause I had an instant once that made me feel terrible is when someone you're, you, you met someone like you've never really or met them for the second or third time. And they immediately tell you something horrible that happened to them. For, for instance, in this, in this moment, someone's kid died of SIDS and they're like, oh, well, we don't have that kid anymore. And, you know, just like I heard that and didn't know how to react. So I wonder if you have, you know, some kind of advice for something like that. Yeah. Well, it, it's almost like when you're grieving, you have an additional job, which is to make other people comfortable with your grief. Yeah. Make other people comfortable supporting you. So, so Shana, that's a lot. We got uh, four questions already posed to you, but what, 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 what do you want to say in response to that? And what do you want to share about your story, your, your grief story? Maybe we should start there. Yeah, um, I, I definitely want to start with my grief story so that people can understand um, what happened. So um, December 18th of 2012, it was exactly one week before Christmas, one week. Um, my daughter, Amaya, who was 13 years old, suddenly died. Um, that day, if I can just be honest and transparent, there was no indication that anything bad was going to happen. It was a beautiful December day. Um, she went to school. Uh, this was, uh, around Christmas time. So she was getting out of school a little early. She had called me when she got home. She was a latchkey kid. Um, she had called me when she got home off of the bus And, um, when I got home from work, um, she was outside with her friends, but I could see that she was breathing very heavy. Amaya had asthma. Amaya had always suffered from asthma from the time she was eight months old. She was diagnosed with asthma and we've always learned, we had learned how to manage it. And the doctors had always told us that the older she gets, the better it'll get, the better she'll be able to manage it. But what we ended up finding was that the older she get, the worse it got because we were in the hospital every year. Sometimes we would be in the hospital for three days and sometimes um, we would be in the hospital for a week. And so as she got older, we didn't see it getting better, but we managed it the way we were supposed to. We did what the doctors told us. We went to the specialist. Um, she, She had so many different doctors and specialists and medication to help her manage it to help us help her manage it and with her ultimately dying. Um, And sadly, what ended up happening is she died in my arms. So I was with her when she took her last breath. And in that moment, and I remember um, my husband was on the phone with EMT and they were telling me to give her CPR. I was giving breath into my child. I was giving my life to her. And, and nothing worked. There, there was nothing I can do. It was out of my hands. It was out of my control. But I will still tell you that I held on to hope even from the time that we got to the hospital because the EMTs got there. They did CPR. They did chest compressions. They got us in the ambulance. We drove to uh, the hospital. Um, they worked on her heart. They, they, they had me back in the family room while they worked on her. 
They did everything that they could to save my child's life. And up until the very moment that I got that news, I held on to hope. I was not going to give up. I said, my daughter is strong. She can do this. She can get through this. We've been here before. Not in that capacity, not as bad. But you never think that your worst nightmare, because that's a parent's worst nightmare, will actually come to life. I never saw that coming. And so from that point on, I was completely devastated. My world had been turned upside down. And if I can be honest, as a Christian, I questioned God. Yeah. I questioned yeah. God and I questioned his goodness. How could a God who's so good allow me to see, allow me to witness that, to experience that loss? I didn't understand it. And for a long time, I was very angry. I was angry. I was bitter. I was frustrated. I didn't like how my life was going. And um, if I can be honest, I didn't want to live. Um, I talk a little bit about it in my book that I wrote, Hope on the Other Side of Grief. But I'm also writing another book where I go into more detail of the different stages. And I had a, had a very dark point where I was going to take my own life. I just couldn't deal with it. I couldn't deal with the day to day. So that's, that's my story. This is how everything started. But I ended up not taking my life, of course. But I turned this pain into purpose. I said, I'm not going to allow this to stop me. I'm not going to allow this to destroy my life and my family's life because I still had a son. I had um, my son Christian at the time. He was one and a half years old and um, I wanted better for him too. And I wanted better for myself. So I took the difficult journey of going through grief. And what I found was better awareness, better emotional health, um, better understanding of life and purpose. And I wanted to share that with other people. It doesn't matter. It's, it's as difficult as the journey looks and as difficult as your reality currently is. You don't have to stay stuck there. We're not meant to stay stuck there. So that's what I wanted yeah. to share with other people. First of all, thank you. That That's a lot to share. And everybody on this panel with children has a chill going up and down their spine because it is everybody's worst fear. And it is unimaginable there's no preparation if you knew it was coming you wouldn't be any prepared i don't think uh, it's it's too great a loss um what were your steps what were the the grief process well first of all where tell me your book again and tell people where they could find your book yes um the book is called there is hope on the other side of grief and you can get the book on amazon.com it's, it's available there but and you know, everybody's always heard about, uh, is it Kubler's five stages? Kubler's, it is. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And is that, I think it was originally whenever she put out her book about it, it was about uh, processing your own death, I think, or, or like accepting of your own something that's coming. And it's cool. kind of been taken to be associated with people who are processing the death of other people afterwards. Um, and so I always wondered if those same five stages still showed up in that environment, or did you feel a different processing? I mean, when you talk about stages, are you talking about the ones we all hear about the, you know, bargaining and the denial yes. and ultimate acceptance, yes. those sorts of things? Yes. When I talk about the stages of grief, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So that was my experience. You, I went through the first stage of denial and I did. I denied it. Mm -hmm. I was like, this isn't real. I remember when the doctors came in and told me that she had passed. I was like, I looked at the doctors and I told them, I was like, you're lying. You're a liar. She's not. She's not. I, because my brain could not comprehend what they were saying. It just did not make sense to me. And for a long time, it didn't. You know, it's like my whole world collapsed in just a moment. And so I went through the denial stage. I went through the anger stage. I was very angry for a long time. I, I even caught myself bitter. I was like, I'm bitter. I'm angry. I didn't want to hear anybody's yeah. um, 
rationale or logic of why, you know, a lot of times when you go through grief and, you know, one of the panelists has said this, it's like, well, what do you say? Well, sometimes the best thing to say is nothing. Sometimes the best thing to do is just be there and be in silence. Um, a friend of mine lost her son. Uh, I, I believe it's been about three years. And here's what I did. I just went over to the house and we sat together. And I held her mm -hmm. hand for as long as she needed me there. I didn't say anything. I hugged the family. I hugged her husband. And I sat on the couch next to her. And I just held her hand. As difficult as it was for me, because at first I thought she was at the hospital, which meant I had to go back to the place where I lost my child. I All had right. to go there. And that was difficult. But I said, you know what? I know what it's like where she is right now. All you need is support. You don't need anyone trying to make logic out of what just happened. We don't want to hear that. We just want to know that you're there. I had friends um, who just showed up with food. They just mm -hmm. showed up and they just sat with me and they held my hand. I had one friend, one of my very good friends, um, she shared with me later. She said, Shane, I just didn't know what to do. Yeah. That was such a devastating thing. That's what Key is talking about. Yeah, exactly. She said, I had no clue what to do. But my boss told me just to get up and go sit with you. And I said, that's all I needed. That's all I needed. Sometimes. And then when the person is ready to talk, mm -hmm. you just listen. You just it's as as simple as it sounds. It's the most effective thing that we can do to support someone who has gone through such a hard time. Their life has been turned upside down. They don't want to hear. Well, you know, God knows best. I mean, I'm a Christian, so and I love the Lord. I do, <laughs> but they don't. They don't want to hear where God knows best or everything and, happens you know, he, for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. He doesn't make mistakes. We don't want to hear that. Mm -mm. I, I literally told someone who told me that I was like, I don't want to hear that. You can get out of my office with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was very direct. I was very, I, I just didn't want to hear it. Yeah. So that's how we can support people. Sometimes it's just sitting there as awkward as it can be just to sit in silence. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, and when you do that, I think to Kia's point, uh, it, it becomes less awkward for you. Your anxiety can kind of calm down a little bit when you know you're not expected to come up with magic words. You're not expected to do or say the right thing right now. Um, just being there and just supporting that person, uh, it makes all the difference in the world. Um, I, I want to I talk more about the kinds of things that you do. I know that you come from a Christian counseling perspective, if I'm correct. Mm -hmm. That and is correct. You're pursuing that. Is that something you want to turn into? Is that a, a side, like a passion project? Or is that something you eventually hope to do, you know, professionally full time? Uh, and then you're, you're writing the books and that sort of thing. Cause I, cause I could tell you there's a need for it. People don't know how to act around people who are hurting in ways that they have not experienced it. And it could be a cancer. It could be a death. It could be a divorce. It could be a loss of a job. It's, it's, you know, grief occurs whenever you have to give up and you lose something you didn't plan on losing. You know, a lot of times it's just, I'm never going to see her graduate. I'm never going to help her when she brings that first baby home. I'm never going to help her get dressed on her wedding day. I'm never going to have to tell her that boy's no good. He's not worthy of you. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and like if you process divorce, you think there's not going to be us seeing our grandkids come home to this house that was going to be our forever home. That's, right. That's not happening anymore. And so many times it's the loss of what you were so sure your future was that is so difficult. And I, and I appreciate you trying to make it not only easier for yourself, but easier for other people to support people who are grieving and other grieving people to receive that good support instead of us all being so awkward around each other and then finding excuses not to hang out or be together because we're so fearful of saying the wrong thing or in some 
situations whenever you've made a life choice that uh, people don't understand. A lot of people are worried it's contagious. You know, like I don't want to be around mm-hmm. negativity. Like when you go through a divorce, people are like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. it makes them feel shaky in their own marriages. You know, is that going to happen to me? Is that going to happen to me? It's like um, when we try cases, we're always told, I, I, I always practice medical malpractice and I was told in a breast cancer case, you sure don't want any women on your jury. And I thought, mm. well, that's crazy. And then they explained it to me and they said, it's such, it's such a scary thing to women that they want to externalize it and they want to say, well, that wouldn't happen to me. I'd get my mammograms on time. Uh, that wouldn't happen to me. I'd fight harder. I love my children. I'm not leaving my children as if it's some sort of personal you know, deficiency you had th- that's brought this onto you. So we can think and say and do things in reaction to people who are grieving just out of self-defense because it is so scary. We're so afraid it might happen to us. Yes. Tell me about your background and your training. And then I particularly want to know what's the difference in a grief coach and a grief counselor? Yeah. So one of the things, and I kind of want to go back to just kind of the introduction of myself. I'm also, um, when I had Amaya, I was 14 years old. So I was a teen mom. Okay. So, um, having her, um, I really want to say, and I'm putting this in my next book, really brought me purpose because I was headed down the wrong path as a teen. And so having her in my life and being her mother and, you know, um, it just brought me such great purpose and determination and it gave me drive and um, because I wanted my child to have a good life. I wanted her to have an opportunity. You know, when you're born to a teenage mother, you, you, you know, sometimes you're, you're, you have a lack of availability. And I didn't want Amaya to have lack. I wanted her to have more. And so I worked very hard. I finished high school a year early. I went on, I went directly into college, graduated from Florida State. Good and thank you. Thank you. Um, and now I'm working on um, my master's degree in Christian counseling. And really the difference is, um, if you want to look at the difference, for me, it is a counselor really helps you go back and heal. It, they, that's what they tell us in coaching and counseling is the counselor always goes back to help you heal the trauma and the things that are keeping you broken and stuck. What the coach does is they deal with the right now to move you forward. But I'm doing something a little bit different because I want to merge the two. And that's one of the things that I'm learning as a student at the college is how to put those two things together because I also want to help that person heal what they're going through and what they've experienced in their past. And, but at the same time, as we're doing that, let's move you forward. Let's talk about moving on, moving forward. What does, what do you want your life to look like in healing and in renewal? So that's really the difference between those two things. Um, let me get back to my my panel. Um, you know, Whitney, you brought up something interesting because I was at that uh, that, that uh, brunch, I think it was, that you were talking about, and you said something, and you thought, oh, God, I wish I could put those words right back in my mouth. I can't believe I said that. Uh, that happened to me recently, too. I have a friend who's in a fight for her life with breast cancer mm-hmm. right now, and she stopped by, and she was talking, uh, and uh, we were all just chatting it up. Um, not really talking about breast cancer, but they were talking about what are you watching right now and uh, what's good on Netflix and everything. And I said, oh, afterlife is so good. Just the words came out of my mouth before I could pull them back in. You know, the whole damn show is about this man who's got complicated grief. I'm sure you understood that term. It's basically it's in the DSM now, but it's mm-hmm. whenever you are not mostly back to normal after about two years. When you are still dysfunctional from your grief, you really have got a complicated course of it. And it it really was going to require some pretty professional help. But yeah, you can stick your foot in your mouth and not even realize it. And it's, have you ever seen this? It's almost like this. It's like the more sensitive the person is around you, the more likely these stupid things can start coming out of your damn mouth. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What, what do you think whenever you hear what she says about, you know, that kind of thing maybe isn't hitting her in, in the gut, but maybe people missing or not saying yeah. the right thing or trying to give you their view of this. You know, what do, what do you think about that, Whitney? 
And one of the things I, that, that uh, Shana was talking about was just people not knowing what to say or not knowing what to do. And that, that always bothers me. Like I, I hate when people get uncomfortable over something, especially when you're suffering or someone else around you is suffering and you just, you know, Oh, it's uncomfortable. I don't want to deal with it. You know, or like when someone comes out as gay and then they're like, Oh, I don't want to deal with it. I'm ignoring it. It's so irritating to me and it's so selfish to me. So even if I do say the wrong thing and put my foot in my mouth, at least I am coming there and I'm listening and I'm trying to be present for them. Um, one of the pieces of advice I heard um, that you should help with um, someone who's grieving is uh, asking them about the person they lost. So, mm-hmm. um, so um, a friend of everyone knows, but a friend of mine uh, lost her dad last year. And so she, she's had a hard time with it. And around his birthday, they were like, oh, we're going to go celebrate his birthday and go to um, seafood. And I said, uh, have a seafood dinner. I'm like, oh, you know, you know, what, what does he like to eat? Like, what's his favorite thing? She goes, oh, he loved, and she went into a whole thing about how much he loves seafood so much. And, you know, I, I just think that, that, that like brings some light to them when, you know, instead of that sadness. So I don't know if, if that's some advice that you give people, but I think it works for me. <laughs> what, what about that? Does it help you whenever people ask you? So tell me about Amaya. What was, what was, what was the best thing about her? Oh, I love that question. Good. I love that question because even though she's not physically here, Amaya did have a life. She was a, she was just a beautiful, vibrant, young, you know, 13 year old girl. And when people ask me about her, I share some amazing stories. Um, you know, when she passed away, she, I did not realize how popular my child was. <laughs> she was, she was so popular in school. They had, uh, the kids, they said, I had boxes. I still have these boxes, boxes of notes that the kids send me. One in particular, I will never forget. Um, there was a, a, a kid at her school who said, Amaya saw me sitting at lunch by myself one day and came and asked me why. I told her I didn't have lunch money and she gave me the $2 out of her pocket. I wanted to give you the $2 back and in the envelope was the $2. I actually still have the $2. I just wanted to keep that. That's a keepsake. And so when you give the person the opportunity to express it, you're actually bringing some healing to them, right? Because you're giving them an opportunity to talk about someone or something that, yes, it brought great devastation, but at the same time, that was a life that was that person impacted their life in a in a positive way. Yes, they were human and they had, you know flaws or whatever, but at the same time, we love those people. And so when you bring up questions like that, we actually really love it. Um, and, and it helps bring healing to us. And it gives us an opportunity to talk because sometimes we just, we don't feel like we're given that opportunity to really speak because, so on the other end, there are people who want to help who are like, oh, what do I say? What do I do? We're feeling the same way. Because we don't want to make you guys uncomfortable either. If yeah. I can be honest, I've been yeah. in so many situations where I'm like, oh, I don't want to make these people uncomfortable. Like, how can I say this? I can't tell you how many times people have asked me how many children I've had. And, I, and I've been stumped because I'm like, do I tell them I have four, but one isn't here? And then that makes them uncomfortable. So we, we run into that too with each other. But I think it's all about... And what I've gathered from it and from my experience, it's all about service. We're servicing one another in the end. You're hearing me. I'm hearing you. And while you're hearing me, you may it that that may spark something within you to talk about that you may not have dealt with. Or, you know, you you may have inspiring words or something that may, you know, hit you that you need to share with me or that person um, who you're supporting. If that makes sense. It, it makes so much sense to me. And then something that I'm, uh, I'm thinking of that you're, as you're describing the young woman reaching out to you and giving you the $2, you know, we think I, we know our children because we spent a lot of time with them and we spent a lot of time with them during their formative years when they were in our homes, but you really only know the experience you've had with them. Uh, you can observe them with their friends and you pick up on little subtleties and power differentials and all those things, but you don't know what they do when they're not around you. And I would think that would be a gift, a real gift 
to hear from other people their experience with Amaya and what Amaya meant to her. I would think it would almost be, you know, it, genuinely a, a gift of something that you didn't know and you might have not have ever known were she still here with us. Yeah, that's so true. So, it's a blessing. Um, Betsy, we've, we've, I know we've hit you uh, in the gut with some of this today. You've been through some serious life events. Breast, uh, uh, Betsy is a breast cancer ass kicker and survivor. Um, but she also, you know, has, you know, some children that she's, uh, you know, co-parenting and there's just a lot of life challenges that go up. You, you change careers. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing I know about you in my limited experience is you really can roll with the punches. <laughs> did you, did you know that about yourself before the world challenged you the way it did? I used to be a, a lot worse at that than I am now. And then, you know, when I, when I was going through the whole cancer thing, you know, my mom just gave me some advice. She said, you just got to take it one day at a time, you know, tackle it one day at a time. And just, that's when I learned to roll with it. Cause we think we're in control, but we're not, we're, we're not at the end of the day. And so you have to be able to pivot and react and um, try to make the best out of every situation. And so that's what, because I do have three small children, like I, I'm feeling everything that Shane is saying, like the story about um, you know, receiving the note with the, with the two dollars in it. It's it's so wonderful when you hear stories from other people about your children and 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 that they've been living out the things in the real world that you've been trying to teach them. And yeah, that something's sticking, something's landing. You're doing something right. I mean, that's that's an amazing feeling. And and to have that, um, you know, at the time you got it, must have been you know a, a ray of light in in the darkness. But one thing I, I have, I've heard about grief is that we don't just grieve for the things that we've lost. We grieve, we grieve also for the things we never had that we oh. thought we would, that we wanted, the life we thought we were going yeah. to have that we don't have anymore. Yeah. And um, I guess my question to you is, is, is everybody in some form of a state of grief based on something that's going on in their lives? And it, for that reason, we should probably be nice to everybody we meet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah you, don't, you I, don't know what anybody's going through. That's yeah. true. Yeah, that's even, so true. Even this, uh, I was just at the airport the other day, and freaking the guy at TSA or whatever was just so rude. And I'm like, it's my birthday. Don't you know? Like, be nice. Uh, no, you know, just, uh, just yeah. I just think about that. It's just anytime someone's nasty for no reason, you know, yeah. gosh, why? You know. Well, anyway. you know, I think everybody's always got a reason. It's just you may not understand what it is. You just know how it feels when they're delivering their bad energy or bad attitude to you or dumping it on you. Uh, and so uh, it's a, it's a good reminder. It's a sad reminder, but it's a good reminder is you may not always have an opportunity to correct some of those things. And so try to have as few of them as you can and try to correct your mistakes as you make them, I think is probably a, a good lesson from that. Um I want to, I want to ask you, well, I want to, I want to get to Kia. Kia, you've been listening for a while and we've, we've talked about some of the issues you brought up, but um, as you're hearing it and, and hearing Shana explain to you, are you getting a better feel for now, maybe interacting with someone who suffered like that and what you should say or do? Absolutely. I think it's kind of validated what I have been doing. I've been going through grief, just listening. And just being there, you know, knowing that it's not those big tricks that you really have to do. So I think you definitely answered that. I think another, just to kind of spin it, um, I know you're saying you want to be a counselor and a coach. But one of my biggest questions to you is how do you get fulfilled? Like, do you need to go to counseling? Do you have to get coached? Because I'm pretty sure... Once you provide these services to other people, that is a lot to take in. Yes. So how do you go and decompress? Do you need the counseling as well? Not just yeah. talking about the grief part with Amaya, because she seems to be a beautiful young girl um, and still is because her presence is still here. But how do you get fulfilled after you've given so much with providing these services to people? That is a very good question. I have a tribe of people. Um, 
as I, um, so I'm writing my second book and I go into more detail about grief and loss because we always associate it with death, but it's not just death. And, you know, you guys have talked about that earlier where it's, it's a loss of a job. It's a loss of, um, it's a, it's living in a pandemic, you know, we're, we're living in a life that we had no clue we will be living in Mm -hmm. um, two and a half years later. Um, it's, it's also, um, a loss of innocence. So yeah. if uh, uh, being a child and being violated, it's, it's that loss True. and you grieve. And so when you go through different, um, when you go through different life experiences where you experience grief, you always tend to go back like, and you complain, and you say, gosh, I, my life is just horrible. I'm always going through something, you know, I've, I've done, you know, I've been assaulted as a child. I've, I've had to go through this. Now I've lost this. I've lost a job. I'm always losing things. So you always go back. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I do and one of uh, I, I have counselors and coaches in my tribe because being at the college gave me a great community. And there are times where, especially when I was writing the book, I broke down and just cried. And one of the things that my coach gave me was a strategy like when you're going through this i need you to call me i need you to call this person i need you to call and if they're not available you set up a system because one of the things that we don't realize is um we go through there are times let me just explain it like this there are times where i think about amaya and i grieve all over again now it may not be a full year and a half of grief like i had before but it's still grief. I go through that. I'm like, why is my life this way? I want my child back. Why could this be different? God, could you have shown me another way to get to this point instead of having to having to deal with that? Because I'm going to deal with this for the rest of my life. It doesn't end. You don't just go get over it. And so I lean on people. I have my husband where I'm like, look, babe, if I'm in a dark place and I come in here with you, I just... I just need support. Or I I may call a friend. Actually, I may text a friend and we have a special emoji that I text her and she knows what's up. (laughs) And so you have to create a strategy for yourself. And that's what I do because I have to lean on people because it does get hard when you hear about people talk about um, that they lost a child and um, or they or they lost you know, their innocence as a child, or they were victimized in some sort of way, that really can be hard to hear. And it can be a heavy weight. But I have to depend on people just like other people depend on me too. But it's it's up to me to make the decision to voice it and to speak it and to get that help that I need. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, if you're willing to share this, um, statistically, married people who lose a child uh, tend to not stay together. It's a big, it's a big, big blow. And as I understand it, it's because they grieve differently. Yes. Um, they go through different stages at different times. And you would think they would be in a very unique situation to be there for each other, having shared something nobody else has shared. Um, but I have watched this so many times with our clients. And a lot of times I'll have a very stoic dad and I'll have a mother who, if she gets a shower today, it is a miracle. It's a miracle day. Um, And I've seen people years later just turn into emotional gravel. Just, it's just like watching a rock crumble right in front of your face. Uh, I have other people who they don't make eye contact with you. If they talk about it, they're looking off here. They're stoic. They don't do anything. They'll go. I understand. And they go on about their way. It's like it, it changes personalities. And so that is so difficult in a married uh, uh, relationship. Can you speak to that about um, how, how to grieve when you're in a partnership and how to, how to either be there for each other or if you can't, you know, bring somebody else in? I mean, what do you counsel people in that part to try to keep the whole damn family from falling apart because y'all don't know how to deal with this and why would you? Exactly. That is a really good um, question and point to bring up because that happened in our family. Um, I grieve differently from my husband. 
And so not only did we lose Amaya, but, um, you know, we had a, a, a child after we had Lauren in 2014 and she's just a beautiful, thank you. She's just a joy. But we also um, lost, a, I, I got pregnant again in 2016 and we lost that child to a miscarriage. Oh, I'm so sorry. And so I was grieving and grieving and grieving and my husband grieved differently than I did. He, he is. Um, one of the things that he did was he kept himself busy. Uh-huh. And I've, I'm like home by myself and I'm like, I need support. And so that did bring some breakdown in the family. And one of the, the, the recommendations that I have, and that's why I'm glad I'm a part of a great community, is that we have to deal with the grief, but we also have to send them and refer them to great marriage counselors who can help mend that family back together. Because you're also dealing with broken relationships. So things are not the same. So like you were saying earlier, we well something similar to what you were saying earlier we no longer have this child we're not going to walk her down the aisle or we're not going to drop her off at college none of those things are going to happen so and or the things that we envisioned are not going to happen so what do we do now what do we do with our lives and so we have to refer them to great relationship counselors who can help build on that side while we also build on while we also help journey through the grief on the other side. Yeah, that's so important. It really, really is to, to find the people who can understand it and who can help you because every relationship has issues before anything like this even happens to it. Yes. And, and there's no training for this. You know, none of the premarital counseling says, okay, and this today we're going to talk about when you lose a child. No one sets you up for it. And whenever you pick your mate, you don't look at them with an eye toward, okay, if we end up losing a child, I like the way you're probably going to grieve. It's compatible the way I'm probably going to grieve. You just can't prepare yourself for it. And so, you know, it's just one more problem. And, you know, a lot of people, when they're hurting, they like to isolate and, uh, and throw everybody out of their lives. Don't come. I don't want to, I don't want you around me. I don't want to be around anybody. Just leave me alone. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. And then next thing you know, you, you literally are alone and you right. really didn't want to be, you just thought you did. Right. Um, Anybody got any thoughts on that or any other questions or, or things they want to bring up? I have questions, but I don't want to hog the conversation. I have a question, if I may. Yeah. Um, so the these stages of grief, I've read that, I've, I've read a lot about them because I, I find them fascinating, but is it true that they don't go in order? Like they can, they're not linear. So you, you might be yeah, in denial yeah. one day and skip to, skip to depression yeah. and then go back yeah. to anger and then... Is that how it works? And is everybody different? I would say everyone's different and every situation is different. Mm -hmm. um, what I talk about, um, especially in my book, is your grief journey is going to be very personal to you. So just like we have, everyone has a different type of fingerprint that identifies who they are. Your grief journey is going to be specific to that, yeah. to you, to you personally. But I do agree with you because it's not linear. So you don't go like this. Sometimes it can look like this, 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 this. And then you can be like, forget this. I'm not getting in this stage. I'm going over here. <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't want yeah. it because sometimes you don't want to deal with it. Who yeah. wants to deal with all of those emotions? I've done that. I'm like, I don't want to sit here in anger or depression. Forget grief. Let me just act like it doesn't exist. But the thing about grief is if you don't deal with it, it will deal with you because it is not going away. Yeah. And what we saw, especially in a pandemic, when life slowed down and it slowed down very quickly for all of us. Right. People had to sit with themselves. Yeah. They had yeah. to sit with themselves and deal with their stuff. So even though it looks like this. And it goes up and down and up and down and up and down. I, I strongly encourage people just to take those necessary steps and to not go through the grief journey alone. Please don't go through it alone, but find a healthy, if you don't want to go through the counseling, if you're not ready for counseling, find a healthy support system that can help you just navigate through it. And when I say healthy, I mean people who are willing to listen to you because at the end of the day, you're not looking for them to solve your problems. You're just looking for support. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. As I understand, you can cycle through it and you think you're done with one phase. And next thing you know, it comes right back. 
then you're not Absolutely. done with it. It's not like a checklist, you know, it's not like you're done with it. You know, that, you talked about it. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just want to say that reminds me of a movie I just saw on Netflix called the starling. And it's with um, M- Melissa McCarthy um, and another uh, famous actor. I can't remember his name of, but anyway, it's about them losing a child and he has to go to a mental institution and she's holding down the fort and it's, you know, a whole, whole thing. So uh, Betsy, if you're interested in, in that kind of a profile, obviously it's a fiction, but I just think it was very empowering or not empowering, but just eye opening to see, yeah. you know, how, how a couple deals with that, you know. Um, I have a, another question. You've talked about a support system. How effective in your view are support groups where you're, you know, counseling or you're coming together with other people who've experienced a loss? Um, I, I've, I have a lot of thoughts about that, about mm-hmm. group therapy generally and how effective it can be, but what are your thoughts about it with regard to grief and the loss of a child? I have found, oh, I'm going to be honest here. Yeah. Um, I think group group counseling is great. You have to find the right group for you. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it can, if you're not careful, it can keep you stuck Yeah. in a grief cycle or in a grief stage, which will then become a state. So you have to be very discerning about the group that you're in. Um, but I do believe that they are very effective. Um, but as a person who has experienced different grief groups, I, I remember going to one and I was terrified because um, there were people whose children had passed away 20 plus years ago and you could still see that they were stuck. Mm-hmm. That they and they were and I get it because you're afraid to move forward. I, I was one of those people. I was like, well, if I move forward, does that mean that I'm forgetting my child? Does it mean that her life didn't matter? I yeah. asked myself all of these questions. Um, but you have to discern um, what is right for you, what fits you, what you are, what's your goal? Like, what's your, I don't want to make it seem like it's just some goal thing, but what do you want for yourself? in the long run in order to get that help that you need. But support groups can be helpful. Just finding one that fits right for you. Yeah, I could see that because sometimes misery likes company and sometimes you can, you know, associate with somebody and it feels good at first, but you're ready to move on and maybe they're not. And so that kind of thing can be a negative more so than a positive, or it could become something you feel is your job to help them get through their grief when you're just trying to survive day in, day out yourself. So I, I can see a lot of good and I can also see some negatives with that for yeah. sure. Um, who else on our panel? Kia, do you have any uh, other thoughts as we've been talking today with Shana? Um, in regards to your book, what are, if someone wants to purchase your book, what are, what's something that they can look forward to? far as what would be the biggest chapter that hit you let me say that yeah that's a good question um i i'm a person who's a very authentic i like authenticity i like realness give me realness any day i'm going to be honest with you i think the anger chapter is going to be the best one and what do you do? how is your book laid out tell us that it's it's laid out in basically the different stages that i went okay. through So we talk about what happened when you first read it, how the chapter is going to be set up is you're going to read the day before Maya passed and what we did that day. And then you're going to read about when it happened and the details of it. And then you're going to read the anger that I went through and then you're going to see the depression. And then you're going to get a chance to see the hope. You You get to see the other stages but then you get to see that hope on the other side. You get to see a little bit of what that looks like, because in my second book, I'm going to go into more detail about the healing and the hope and what that looks like for people. What it looked like for me, especially. Mm-hmm. That's that's it's, it's wonderful of you to share something so deeply personal in order to help other people uh, not have to struggle or at least not feel alone 
or like no one else is having this experience and no one is having your experience, not ever, but it, I think it can be very comforting to hear how other people have managed and coped. And, and it often feels good sometimes to hear that somebody else just lost it and had a really bad day and lashed out at the people closest to them who love them the most over and over again because they're hurting and they don't know how to do anything but hurt others or whatever it is. It could be so many things. Um, I had a, a question I wanted to ask you. Do you ever experience guilt whenever you are happy? And whenever you, do you ever have this feeling like, I'm supposed to suffer. The world looks at me and I'm supposed to suffer. My life is never supposed to have any joy in it because I have experienced this loss and everything I do and think and breathe and for the rest of my life needs to be about it. Do you ever feel guilt whenever you find joy and pleasure in the world? I do. And I'm so glad that you asked that question because it's a, it's a conversation that my husband and I had last week, just last week. I talked about the guilt. Um, even uh, it's been... December 18th of 2021 was nine years since we lost Amaya. But I was sitting, you know, we were just sitting there talking and I was just, I expressed, I said, I still feel guilty. I still feel guilty. And honestly, I think it is because society is set up to where they want people complacent. They want people to, to remain the same. And if you're happy yeah. and you're smiling and you've healed or you're healing or going through this continual healing, it's like, that's selfish. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's, that's completely selfish, but it's not selfish. So I have gone through that guilty phase of, you know, I, I don't feel like I should be smiling or I don't feel like I should be happy or have laughter. But at the same time, as, as a Christian, I, I remember that abundant life that Jesus's death on the cross promised me. I have a right to experience an abundant life. And, you know, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. And so when that happens, I'm meant to move forward. And so the guilt surpasses, but it's a conversation that I honestly have to have with myself or I have to have with other people to say, you know what, this is how I'm feeling. I feel guilty today and I need help navigating through that. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad that there are things that you do for yourself so you don't feel that way. Um, and you're exactly right. People, uh, we're all very busy people and everybody's looking for shortcuts and efficiencies. And one of the ones we do without even thinking about it is we surmise what a person is about. We, we decide who they are. We put them in our head. Oh, she's a this. He's a that. And uh, whenever we are disrupted in our views of people, we're kind of taking it back because we're like, well, now I got to pull that off the shelf, rethink it, relabel it, and stick it back on the shelf. Oh, she really isn't this. She's a this, you know, because yeah. we want to label people. We want to put them in boxes because it makes our lives easier when everybody is, is in their space. You know, that's why that, that term stay in your lane. Right. Stay in your lane because you're making me uncomfortable. Okay. It's not because you need to be in your lane. It's because I need your ass to be in your lane. Okay. You're right. making me uncomfortable. And again, that's not our obligation to make everybody uh, happy with us. It's our obligation to be considerate of what they're going through at the time, but it's not our job to uh, make it easy for them to understand us. I have one final question and then I'm going to go to everybody on the panel and get their thoughts and, and final uh, questions before we leave. But um, how do you parent your other children in light mm -hmm. of having lost your oldest? I parent my other Do y'all talk about it? Do you talk about their feelings about it? Just yeah. So Christian, um, Christian was a year and a half when Amaya passed away. So he doesn't remember much about her, if anything, but he to see, you know, as much as my husband criticized me, you're always taking pictures and videos. I can go back and I can show him pictures and videos of the of, of them two together. As Christian has gotten older because he's 10 now um, and he's in the fifth grade, he asks more questions. Now, before he didn't, we would just go through the uh, through our photo album or we go through pictures and videos and he would just look at them. But now he has very detailed questions and he wants to know, unfortunately, he wants to know why. Um, I was taking um, the kids to school the other day, uh, actually not the other day, but a few months ago. And he was like, you know, Amaya would be 22. She could drop, she could have dropped us off at school. She could have done this, you know, or I would like to have my sister where I could talk to her about this or that. Um, 
Lauren did not know Amaya, but I can see a connection where she's like, that's my big sister. And oh, we cry sometimes. Um, Lauren has come into my room sometimes and she's just like, I wish I knew my big sister. She's seven years old when she says that. So what I, one of the things that I do is I just support them and I say, I understand. And I have my children talk about it. I want them to be able to express their feelings and emotions and feel safe and not judged by it. But one of the things that our family does is we enjoy every moment of our lives because we know how quickly disruption happens. So it's big for me to, to live a life full of purpose and meaning. And so it's not always, you know, I'm a systems person. I'm a systems thinking person where I'm like, we got to do this, 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 this. Well, sometimes I got to throw that system out the window and I got to be supportive to my children in order to give them the love and attention and affection that they need in that moment. Yes. So it, it means sometimes living in the moment. Sometimes we're going to dance and we're going to sing around the house because that's what we do. We're going to turn the music up real loud. We're going to enjoy life. Yeah. So that's how me and my husband, you know, we really decided to parent our children. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Let me go around to our panel one last time today. Kia. Well, I'm glad today that um, Kimmy was not here because I'm pretty sure my crying partner would have both been crying in the very beginning. <laughs> So that because um, it was very powerful. I thank you so much, Shana, for you know sharing your story with the world. Um, and now that we know you're like arm length away, you know there's even more ways for people to get your services um, when they need you. Um, so I truly thank you for doing this and providing this. This is servant leadership and something that I think you know a lot of people cannot handle what you have gone through, but. Everyone's chosen for something. And I think you have really found your purpose, passion, and your project. And I commend you for everything that you're doing. Thank you so much for being on. Absolutely. I second that. Whitney. Yeah. Um, same with uh, Kia. I'm glad y'all weren't crying. <laughs> but that that actually the last moment where you're talking about how your kids have a connection to her. Like, I, I totally believe in that. And, you know, oh, that got me. But anyway, um, I am so happy that I met with you on social media. Literally, I'm, I don't know. I'm sure we have other connections, but I was just looking through. Uh, people we uh, connect with on our social, on our Instagram, and I saw your page, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I would just love to hear her story." Um, so I'm so you know thankful for that, and um, thank you for taking time to come here and, and share your story because it's it's brave, it's strong, it's all the things that we look for on this uh, this program. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Betsy, what are your final thoughts today? Well, I was reminded of this um, ancient proverb. I think it's Korean where if a child dies, she is buried twice, once in the earth and once in her mother's heart. And I see that in you. But what I also see is that you, you, you're like a, a, black, a, a black belt in jujitsu. Like you've had this force come at you and you've turned it into something wonderful and good. And I feel like that's really the key to life and getting through this life. And because it's not easy, it's not easy for any of us, but you have taught me so much today. And I, I love speaking with you and I'm definitely going to get your book because um, I know I'm going to enjoy it. It's going to be a great read. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. I, I want to get several of your books and make them available to our clients. Uh, I already and, and honestly, the, the link to it. So Betsy, everyone can go to the Facebook, 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 Brooks, Facebook, and the Empire Plan Facebook. If you want to go check them out. And I want to encourage our, our, our lawyers and our staff who deal with clients to watch this because every one of us feels the way Kia and Whitney were talking about at the beginning. I want to be there. I want to care for you. I want to say and do supportive things. I just don't know how. And I'm so worried of offending you uh, with words and acts, I, I don't do those when I should. I, I don't make the effort that I should. And it doesn't mean I don't care. It means I'm ignorant. And, and, and thank you for this education, uh, Shana, for sure. Um, I want to thank you for sharing such a, like I said, a poignant, very powerful story of not just grief. I didn't feel like this show was about grief. I thought it was about not resigning yourself to it. 
I thought this show was about get, getting through it and, and helping other people get through it and realizing that this is a lifelong journey you never wanted to be on, but it is. And you've got this. You can handle it. Some days it'll best you, but you don't have to, to, to let it get over you and stay that way. Uh, you know, I, I, everybody has bad days. And, and whenever mm-hmm. you come in and you're like, this is a shit day. And then you realize, uh, no, it isn't. Not really. There's nothing that happened today that I can't fix. Um, there's nothing that's going to happen tomorrow that, uh, you know, I can prepare for fully. So why don't you look around and say, I got a lot of good stuff going on and embrace it and be thankful for that and the people in your lives. And so you've reminded me of that today. So um, I, I have a feeling that whenever people meet you, they get a lot of insights like that. They get a lot of perspective. So just know you're, you're doing the right thing. You are doing God's work. And, and I hate that you've had to suffer and that that was maybe the impetus, maybe not motivation, but the impetus for you to Mm -hmm. go on and and become your best, your best self. You're, you're sharing your counseling, your writing, uh, it's helping other people as much as it's helping you. And those are both very good things. So I want to thank you for being here with us and sharing your story. And uh, I will always remember Amaya the way that you described her and her friends described her. And I know that she is a beautiful soul. Thank you so much. So thank thank you, you all for having me on the show. It's, it's really been an honor and a privilege. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And thank you everyone for joining us again for another episode of the Empower Hour brought to you by the Empower Plant. And we will see you again next week.